Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. My partner, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us right after the first break. We have a uh, an extensive show tonight. We'll call it extensive. That That's a word that we're going to use. Uh, we had three derby preps. We don't do the PETA preps. So the John, quote, Mike Battaglia. Uh, we'll let Caitlin Free. She can talk about that on her Twitter page. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that race because uh, I know the horse won last year. But this is just the way it's going to be. We don't have enough time. We have a long list of things to cover. Um, but Barry's in rare form tonight. So you'll appreciate this week's Big Monday show. Coming back at you here in just a minute. Going in Circles podcast listeners, we have something that might be of interest to you. The Going in Circles Digest is a eh, sort of weekly newsletter that we put out. We preview stake races. We review stake races on occasion. Uh, we talk about industry topics and do some writing about you know various stories. Sometimes uh, brief, sometimes we carry on. We put some videos that we find interesting from YouTube on on there, and we also link to other articles and things that we've found interesting. It's free. You can subscribe at goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. That's goingincirclesdigest.substack.com, and uh, check it out. Oh, you're ready? <laughs> no, never, never ready. I, I mean, I'm here, I'm present and accounted for, but ready? No. Sounded like uh, maybe you took a charge there. I did. Sabria just need me in my chest trying to dunk on me. <laughs> well, no, she's like that. I know. It's ruthless. No regard for for your health. Right? I saw her the other day at the picture with her hair out. Man, she's got a lot of hair. Yeah, well, you should see mine. <laughs> you got the Ben Wallace look? Oh, yeah, worse. Like <laughs> worse. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of hair, man. Yeah. Well, can't say I got that problem. To Winter weather has not, not helped. You're growing here now because of it, right? No, it's oh. it's, it's over. <laughs> well, I thought I thought it could have like the reverse effect and be like, it's so <laughs> cold that I started growing hair on my head. <laughs> Go roll around in the snow. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna work, man. Snow like, angel. <laughs> I think it's over. It's over. Well, we had a lot of stuff go on this last uh, few days. <laughs> Understatement. Especially today. Today was just hot take on top of hot take on top of hot take. Yeah. It's rare that we talk about 
quarter horse races from Sunland Park, but um, yeah, that one was on our radar. The stewards <laughs> uh, apparently looked at the wrong replay <laughs> and disqualified a horse that did absolutely nothing. Uh, and, and this was like a couple of days ago. This wasn't today. This was like right, it was Friday or Friday, Saturday. Yeah, right? yeah. Saturday. I think it's Saturday. So <laughs> it, it took a couple of days before it, it got out there, but uh, oh, it's out there! <laughs> it's out there. It's um, it's like the new sail topper. I mean, the Maryland one at Laurel was bad when the horse did like nothing, and and they took it down. But this one is even worse because the horse you, you get a great. Uh, well, first of all, the race is only like what three. It wasn't even yards. the right race. Yeah, <laughs> but you get the head-on view, and and there was like five feet between the horse and and the horses on his inside and outside, and for the most part, ninety-five percent of the race he ran ex- straight, exactly straight, and then the last part he <laughs> drifted, but he drifted like two feet, and and nothing happened, and. You know, you. My question was like, what, what were they looking someone, at? <laughs> yeah, what would make someone say, "Hey, I think we better take a look at the two here"? Right? Did they even look at it? That that would be my question. It's like, what? Okay, we saw the the right replay, right? We we're did. Not, yes. What replay did they see? Well, according to Paul, like the the race prior to that, the two horses veered out. Um, pretty good during the race. Now, but remember, they didn't take them down. Did... Yard races. They did not take that one down. But then I was thinking, well, if they saw the wrong replay for that race, wouldn't well, they have known it was the other race? Maybe right. the, the prior race they saw the wrong replay too. And apparently they don't talk to the, the jockeys in, in quarter horse reviews. Because you would have thought that they would have called the jockey and said, hey, you know, what was up? And the jockey would be like, what are you talking about? Right, hey, dude, that was straight, straight as an arrow. An arrow, bro. <laughs> yeah, so maybe there is a good reason. I've always been a proponent of not talking to the jockeys because I've always, my point has always been like, what are they going to tell you? Oh, yeah, I did it. You got me. You know, like the commercial with the kid in the basketball where they call the ball out of bounds and, and the kid <laughs> hit it and, and he comes us, coach, I'll coach. I got to be honest. And, you know, like, yeah, the, like worst, that. <laughs> the worst basketball commercial in history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that kids get beat up in the locker room after. Like, what are you doing? At, at minimum. Especially if John Morant was on the team. Oh, yeah, he would have pulled him down. No, no. <laughs> he got pistol whipped. Several guns when it came out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like, did you follow him? No, 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 it wasn't me. Well, how did they not know they were not watching the same race? Like, I don't know, but apparently they realized it pretty quick and <clears throat> messed up to someone, even though they never made any public proclamations that anything was wrong which uh, is just how, how? how should I say typical racing <laughs> oh yeah there was a big problem we we took the wrong horse down but let's not tell anyone let's just let the people who bet the two I just don't understand I just don't understand how we're going backwards like we can't grow grass anymore <laughs> no that's a tough one uh, we're watching the wrong replays <laughs> for for DQs. Like, 
what are we doing here? No, we, we have rules that, that um, we have rules on top of rules that just confuse the issue more than anything. We, we have um, people getting days. Safi Joseph got a dog positive for, and, and he has to take the days in June. And now I understand that the track isn't open till June, but these things should be considered on, on a timely basis. This is a race from October. You're going to give the guy days in June. You know what that does when, when you tell a guy, well, I'm going to give you days in June. It allows him to get cheaper uh, tickets to, to the vacation spot he's going to. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're suspended, but you're not suspended till June. Sweet. What days? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Hold on. Uh, oh, that's good. I got a wedding. My cousin's getting married that weekend. So, uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, this is the grass thing. It's still comical to watch races from the fairgrounds on the grass. You just don't, you just don't have any idea what's going to go on. Oh, yeah, they're skimming the outside rail instead of the inside. <laughs> yeah, the inside's like a bog still. <sighs> well, I'll tell you what. One issue was fixed and that was the turfway park camera angle issue and gary palmasano got it fixed (coughs) in the write-up the other day um it's it's hard to understand why in a brand new building they didn't have that plan but aka the cone at the, the, the finish line cone <laughs> at, at Gulfstream when they put in the synthetic, which is gone now. So how you not plan a, How you not plan a, a? I think Pete Isle a finish line home. Should have autographed it. Somebody should have. It's true. It's memorabilia. It is. Well, my guy was that was his job was was to get the cone, Louis. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The guy that picks up the 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 photo finish, uh, the um, the mirror and 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 the cone, he's usually had about a dozen Coronas before two o'clock in the afternoon. Only a dozen. Well, that's when he has to ch- switch off to the cheaper option. Corona's expensive, man. Yeah, let me give him natty lights. Natties. Oh, well, we found out today that uh, the Bob Baffert horses that were transferred to Tim Yachtin weren't actually transferred. They were just uh, stall webbings. They changed out the stall webbings, but they stayed in the same stalls, had the same rooms, I'm sure had the same riders, but uh, probably getting the same feed and... <laughs> same instruction. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the only thing different was the stall webbing and the, uh, the saddle towel that they wore to gallop. And the name in the program. And the fact of the matter is, it didn't matter because they all <laughs> ran like shit. As I don't know. I, I kind of had the, on the show. <laughs> I kind of had the feeling that he knew that these horses weren't any good. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're, I've. I mean, listen, we were on this one. I mean, months co- ago. Compare- Reincarnate what he usually has. And Arabian Knight is a really good horse. <laughs> Arabian Knight is up against it. I mean, the horse has got two starts right now. He has no points. And, yeah. and he's got one race left. And yes, he's talented. But 
he hasn't shown any other style of racing other than being on the lead. And, and if you look at last year's Derby, and of course, I didn't see it coming. I don't know if you saw it coming, but no one saw two <clears throat> UAE Derby horses battling on the lead in 45. I mean, that, that wasn't something that. No, I did not see that. It <laughs> basically ruined my whole Derby day. But if a, but if Arabia Night is on the lead and, and some horse from the UAE Derby or from wherever decides that they're going to press him in 45 and three to the half, he's not going to win. <laughs> it doesn't matter what he's, yes, he's in, he he's ain't big, winning. He's in big trouble. Yeah, he probably like spend the buck went like forty five and change the half, <clears throat> but he had like a seven length lead. He was really good too, but um, yeah, like he's kind of up against it. And and I thought reincarnate raced really good in the rebel, and he, he showed another dimension. He got stopped and he kept coming. He didn't quit. So I mean, I, I like him too. Um, but the other horses, I kept looking at them and I kept thinking to myself, <laughs> I don't see it. Like the one thing about Bavert, and and we've talked about this, you know, last year we talked about the year before, is when he gets Derby contenders, he runs them. Even Justify, Justify started late, but he he ran him and he ran him back and he ran him back. Um, a lot of these horses that, that have been on the, you know, the pseudo contender list, they ran, ran. they ran yeah. back in October and November, December, and then they didn't run or they ran once in January and then he skipped the next spot. And that's just not like him. Um, I mean that he jazz horse or whatever his name is, that horse was getting out the whole race the other day. And, and, uh, I don't, you know, I guess we might as well talk about that now, but, um, the San Felipe, the, he, he was, you know, you saw the left line was tight, the right line was dangling the whole backside. Um, Plus, that horse doesn't want to go that far anyway. No, no but he, he's, he's not. He's I was not surprised right. they ran him, actually, to, to be honest with you. I was surprised they ran that horse there. Yeah, that was that was kind of the joke this afternoon about the, the, the stewards made the act team move the horses physically. And, like, well, the runs that ran in the St. Felipe and the ones that ran in the Gotham. No thanks. The they might as well just go back to Bob because those horses ain't running on no Kentucky Derby. They ain't. They're 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 not Derby horses whatsoever. So they they might as well just head back over to the <laughs> the west side. Just Bob's change the, the just change the webbing. Bob's on the west side. No, Yakteen's on the east side. Yakteen was with Prop Joe. He's <laughs> a crip or a blood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's John Moran. <laughs> I'm gonna say he's a he's a crip. He's a Hoover crip. New the new crips wearing blue, orange, orange. Oh, they're orange. They're <laughs> Hybrid. Orange. Yeah, they got their own color. But um, yeah, I thought that, I thought that race out west was pretty good, actually. You know, the winner uh, looked good. I mean, yeah, I, I like the but... winner there. He 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 really looked good. Um, did it very professionally, you know. The horse settled nicely and and made a nice little run when he, when asked. I mean, I, I don't know how strong the prep was, but at least he did it professionally. Looked good doing it. He did. He did. He he looked good. Uh, <clears throat> to me, out of that race, the first two looked like. And, and I'm not a big. I mean said it again 
repeating myself, but I'm not a big believer in horses running in the Kentucky Derby to have like two starts at this point in her careers. But the go, whatever his name is, horse from Mandela, that horse ran really good for a second. I like start. that horse. Yeah. He he ran really well. He, he stalked the pace. The pace was honest. Um, then he, he wound up getting shuffled down to the inside, and he outfinished uh, everyone else. And Skinner, who who came a little bit wide, but he hung. And he's a horse, if you looked at the thoroughbreds, every time he's run a huge race, he's bounced. And he did it again. And it's just horses run big races and react. So that, that's the pattern. That's the way they run. He couldn't even get by the, the horse, the maiden, you know, the maiden winner. Um, and, it, and he was just the maiden winner, too. But he had started like four times before that. Right. He had some races. I, he, I mean, he couldn't get by him in the gallop out. So, huh. um, yeah, I, I'm not big on him. And, and, you know, maybe they'll keep trying because <laughs> you look around and you look at the top 10 and you, and you say to yourself, I mean, Forte looked awesome, but outside of him. Yeah, well, yeah, he looked awesome against whom? No, they, they were bad horses, no doubt. But yeah. he did, He did. you know, he did exactly he did what, what he was supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Right. And he was drawing away. I mean, he took him in hand late. It's a good first race to come back on. I, I have Very. To, to have and, to and, and he wound up that. getting a great trip. I mean, that, that was... Man, that was a perfect trip. <laughs> it couldn't get any perfect, any more but, perfect than that. Which you know, I read, for me, I read at Goldstream. He rides Goldstream as good as anybody rides any track. You know that move out the three eighths pole to the quarter pole, that that just is him. You know and that's what goal, that's what works at Goldstream, and and that's and you know right. Being, well, that's the thing. Being on the best he, horse a lot doesn't hurt. He, he he watches tapes though, but because you know he watches replays because you see where he makes his move every yeah. time. And that's the thing is he's on the best horses, so they don't quit. He makes that move on a, a horse that's not the best horse in the race, and they don't win. It, it was he a, makes that was... move, and and eighty percent of the time, probably even more than that, the horse kicks on and he wins. It, it was a frustrating race for me because I bet one <clears throat> straight exacta, and that's all oh. I bet. I bet Forte over giant Romans. And uh, <laughs> it was one of those slow motion, <laughs> slow motion. Right, we're like, oh, is he gonna get caught? Is he he's not gonna, gonna win? He's gonna, he's gonna be second. He's gonna be second. He's gonna be second. No, he's not. No, he's <laughs> third, fourth, fifth. Oh. I had a few choice words, but um, Rocket Can's a grinder. Um, that match actually ran okay, but like he needs experience. He needs he needs time. I made a comment on Twitter, which of course has been a mess, a mess um, <laughs> that is a public service announcement. This is all only announcement. This is not anything else that just because you qualify for the Derby points wise doesn't necessarily mean your horse should run in it. And Maj is a perfect example of that. And he's, Still, I think he would finish fourth, so he doesn't have that many points. But I could see that horse rebounding if they ran him back in the Florida Derby and running second in the race. Uh, he got a tough trip. He was four wide the whole race. Um, and he was another one coming off just the maiden win around one turn. 
<clears throat> he he kept running at the end, and, and he didn't get beat far for for second and or third. And I, I thought he ran well, but if you can't overcome that trip in the in this race, then that's not a, an abnormal trip in the Kentucky Derby. Being four wide both turns uh, and the clear, like that's not a terrible trip in a 20 horse field to Churchill Downs. So that's kind of what I mean by horses that just don't have the foundation. They don't have the experience. Um, they're not going to win and they're likely to come out of the race, not better for it, but worse for it. And, and every year we have about a dozen of them that come out of the race and we don't hear from them for a long time, or it takes them a long time to get back to their form. Um, so, so my question to you is, would you run that horse back in the Florida Derby? Or I no? would because it's a million dollar race. If the race looks like it's going to be um, where I, I, if I could be one, two, three, I never complain about a pe- person running in a race that, that they can be one, two, three. And I'm not talking about third by 10. I'm talking about, you know, realistic. And I would probably look at the horses coming out of the, the, the fountain of youth and then look around. <clears throat> um, the other potential contenders and say to myself, you know, if I draw inside, my horse can, can be the one on the lead or I can be sitting second off stalking the leader. You know what? It's a million. I think it's a million dollars, isn't it? Or 800,000 or 900. It's a, it's a big purse. You know, people say, oh, you should run an allowance race. Well, an allowance race is like 65,000. Yeah, I thought it was a million. Yeah. So, but, I mean, but it, it definitely goes to show you how you know, the old school route of, you know, going through conditions makes such a big difference when, when you do it. It helps. It helps horses, man. Yeah, it, it clearly it does. I mean, you know, you get thrown to the wolves going in the fountain of youth, which is a grade two, right? <clears throat> and then coming back <laughs> in, in the Florida Derby, which is a grade one. Yeah, and it's a mile and an eighth. And... Right, where you could, you know, I guess theoretically find a, an, an allowance spot. I mean, though, you, you would assume that the first three will be back in the Florida Derby. Yeah. But if I'm the connections of Madge, I'm thinking, well, I'm probably not turning the tables on Forte unless, of course, he gets a terrible trip of some sort. But I don't know that I'm necessarily afraid of the other two. And, again, we don't have any clue as to... Uh, how he came out of the race, if he's dead exhausted, if he bounced out fine. Uh, you know, and sometimes you don't even really know until a week out, until you start training him again. But, you know, you look at um, Chance It. Huh. And how last year he was a horse who I said the same thing about. So, you know, he's a very talented horse. <laughs> But, he, Saturday, but, but he, he's not going to be ready to run a mile and a quarter in a 20 horse race off of his, his preparation. And he, you know, ran in a race and, and did terrible because that, listen, it, think about over the last 20 years, where do you rank curling as a racehorse in the last, last 20 years? I mean, he's got to be what, in one of the top three or four, right? Yep. Curlin couldn't do it. 
Curlin was third in the Derby. Got beat ten lengths. <clears throat> he wasn't close. So that's kind of my um, my guideline, right? Curlin. <laughs> if Curlin Thanks. couldn't do it, and uh, is this horse in Curlin's class? And if they're no. not, and this year does look like an exceedingly weak year. I mean. Here we are, less than than what? Well, what are we? Two, uh, this Saturday will be two months exactly to the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get like a top beyond the top five. <laughs> I mean, you you start to try to get the horse number eight, nine, ten, Ooh, and of course really haven't, <laughs> haven't done anything. You know, um, you, you get to the Kings Bridges of the world. You know, horses that have two two wins. Look good doing it, but but haven't beat a good horse one, you know, and 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 haven't run in a stake, let alone won a stake. And um, is he running in the Tampa Derby or what? Uh, no, I think he's running triple, triple tripe. Oh, trice, uh, trice. Tap it, trice. Tap it, trice. I'm like Grunder, man. I, I can't get any of the names right. No, Tapatrice is running in there. Or I saw Beamy was on Twitter. Actually, he uh, he did his homework already and found out the correct pronunciation. This is it's Trice, not Trice or nothing French. <laughs> Tapatrice. Um, <clears throat> so I'm guessing that the Kingsbridge horse is probably going to show up in either New Louisiana or, or the Florida Derby. Maybe would. New York? Would maybe, yeah. I mean, but again, he, he's going to be a horse that's going to maybe go into the Kentucky Derby. And of course, we're projecting here, but he's going to go into the Kentucky <clears throat> Derby with, with one stake rate under his belt. You know, it's the Kentucky Derby, man. It, it, it isn't the hopeful. <laughs> um, it's just so bizarre to me that people don't want to run. I, I just don't know why they wait so long. Right. Like, Get these horses ready. And then sustain. Like if they're sound and and they can run, why don't you? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Especially considering how much money some of these races for. The the Arkansas preps are all like I think the Smarty Jones was like six hundred thousand. And the rest of the races are a million. Uh, the Arkansas Derby's like what, one point two million? Yeah, why are they sitting on their hands? And and these are not like you know, these aren't like real graded stake races like as an older horse i mean a lot of times you can get one in you can sneak one by him what race was it um oh the the race at the san felipe the winner was the only horse that ever run us won a stake race it, yeah. it was one stake winner in there out of out of, out of 10 or nine and won it yeah forte too i mean he was, uh, I think Forte was the only stake winner. And in, in, uh... the way that race was run, it looked like Forte was the only stakes winner. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, he just he just kind of toyed with him. He he just had too much, and, yeah, and he didn't it, look he didn't look all that fantastic. But he was just so much better than them. It, it, it was like a, it was like a qualifier. Right, it's like all right. satellite fourth pulled out. Goodbye. 
Right. It's like those those things they do in Australia when they do the qualifier races. Yeah. The winks you are running. It took him like three strides. Once he angled them out and he got them straightened out, it took him like three strides to really get going. And then it was just like, <clears throat> see you later. That's it. Uh, the Gotham, I mean, I described the Gotham as, as kind of like a WWE race. Man. You I was got really the... mad about that race, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> the second place horse is who I had. And I didn't see the horse until the wire. I, I was um, supposed to see the horse early, kind of up close to the pace, but he was nowhere, just lost. Maybe it was the wet track. I don't know. I was I was cooking dinner. It was my mom's birthday, so I cooked her dinner. Happy birthday. Yes. That's not like a bad thing. <laughs> a little bit. Um, uh, so I was cooking her dinner because, you know, she wanted to eat. And I watched the Gotham on my phone while I was on the stove, you know? So what'd you burn? And and after the race, I was like, shit, I got to watch the race. Because I have no idea what just happened there. <laughs> like, there was loose horses. There was horses everywhere. <laughs> there was mud. There was horses that were 12 wide. <laughs> um, and, and it, was, it, was like, it was wild. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I had any of these horses. <laughs> I don't know if I, I I don't know if I, if I had any of them. And, um, you know, as it turns out, I think my comment for the winner was, uh, this is a, a, an exact quote, I don't like this horse. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave myself a D, a D. I probably should have got a D minus. Um, I mean, I, I was on board with uh, uh, the New York bred, the general there being third. Like, I think that that's kind of, you know what he is. He's just gonna run at the end of these races, and he's got some stamina. And uh, he he ran a pretty good race. But I I gotta tell you, I watched the replay over quite a few times, and Jose Lescano rode the the winner about as perfectly as you could. I was ride. gonna say he he didn't have any room for error anyway. Um, and and he 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 got it done. I mean, I'm I'm just upset that I didn't get the text from Jason saying, "Hey, we're live." J Dog, you know he came. He decided he was gonna take the inside route, and it turned out to be, you know, it won the race for him. Um, because with the loose horse and the chaos of a fast pace, and everybody kind of like, like trying to get around, um, it it just opened everything up, and he still kind of got steady at the quarter pole as they returned for home. But he didn't like take up on the horse. He just right. He didn't, he didn't overreact, and he that. didn't really take much momentum away. And he got around that that little little uh, quandary he was in. And as soon as he got him straightened out, um, the loose horse people were angling away from the loose horse because you want to get away from a loose horse. You don't know if they're going to do it right. <laughs> so everyone was was taking the widest paths, and he just you know, came through that giant hole. And one, once he got going, he switched leads. I mean, he just like, took off. I mean, he won easy, really easy. But I, I just don't know what was in that race. It was kind of a chaos race. It was fast pace. It was sloppy. I mean, there was horses in that race. Um, and it's hard to see like who they are because of the mud and the silks. And, 
But there was, was horses a... on the turn that were nine wide. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how they're going to designate that, like, for the sheets because, you know, wide. They get credit for being wide. But there's horses that were eight or nine wide in that race. Legitimately. I think the horse that I had was way out there. Did you see that horse? He, that was he, the the Brad Cox horse. Yeah. Yes. He, he, he was, was way out there. Yeah. Just not even in the picture until the last minute. Like beyond the crown of the track wide. Yeah. Way out there. I, I really have no <laughs> idea what to make of that race. I don't think it'll probably have any impact on the Derby. Um, but it was a wild race. And, and uh, I got I to gotta say, man, 14 horse races. Wish we could get some more of them. Right, I dig it. Let's do this. I mean, like I said, I, I, I didn't come close to, to cashing any tickets in that race. And I, as a matter of fact, I think if I handicapped the race now, I still probably wouldn't have been able to cash a ticket. No, I probably still would have played the eleven and still but, finished uh, second. But uh, and and going back to you know what I said about horses <clears throat> shouldn't maybe go to the Derby that just aren't really physically prepared that aren't going to have success and. If they go, it's only going because the owner wants to say, hey, I went to the Derby. <coughs> um, the Central Banker horse, he is not one of those horses. Like, that horse, he's not that he has, has a great foundation. He's got a ton of races. He's got, he never misses a beat. He runs his race every time. He's very consistent. He's probably a step below the better horses in the division. But he is a horse that that's just going to run his race. He's going to pick up the leaders, you know, the tiring leaders late. He's going to pass tiring horses. And he is the type of horse that you could probably run every month from here on to December. And it's not going to bother him because, you know, he's a good looking horse. He, he seems like he's got, you know, carries his weight good. And that's the type of horse that, you know what, you want to take a shot in the Derby. I, I got no problem with that because you know what? If, if you get in a crazy speed duel like last year, look what happened. Well, uh, he reminds me a little bit of Medina Spirit in that way, you know, because he wasn't the the, the top echelon horse, and you know was kind of knocking at the door, right. and caught a break when when life is good, ended up going to the sidelines, and then you know he ended up being top dog after that. Um, you might have the same kind of situation. Yeah, he, he just doesn't have any speed. That, that that's really his his fatal flaw. Um, but the one race that you can get these crazy paces in, these nuclear paces that melt down, and we've seen it with Akimo, <laughs> we saw it with Mind That Bird, we saw it with Rich Strike. If you can get these insane paces and all these lightly raced horses who go six wide in the first turn and, and get down, you know, halfway down the backside and they're gassed because they just don't have the bottom in them. It is the type of race where a horse like that could weave through and, and at the very least, you know, hit the board. The Derby's right. what, two, $2 million race? So, uh, in addition to all the hoopla, and obviously, uh, and, and I think the horse, Jimmy Ferraro trains him, and the guy, Seaview, I read a story about him in the Blood Horse or somewhere. It's an old dude, and, and he he owns like two horses, <laughs> and he owns them himself. He doesn't have partners. He doesn't. Have, you know, he just has a couple horses, 
and and you know just likes to, to have a couple horses. I, I think he's from like New Hampshire or somewhere. Your 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 section of town. <laughs> but right. um, Seacoast. I think it's Seacoast stable. Yeah, that would make sense. Seacoast. But um, that's the kind of horse like that horse isn't gonna. <clears throat> and listen, you never know what horse is gonna get hurt or not get hurt or take a bad step. That that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the horses that have the proper foundation. It, it would be like doing this. It would be like uh, the first thing <laughs> spring training, the, the the pitcher that you signed, uh, you know, for fifty million dollars in the off season. You, you you make them go nine and throw 110 pitches. I mean, <clears throat> couldn't they do it? Yeah. Like, are they going to have repercussions from, from doing it because they hadn't built up their arm strength and they haven't, you know, got themselves in position to do it? Yeah. So that, that's, that's what we're, that's what we mean. You know, lightly raised horses that don't have, that haven't, haven't, haven't wound up running into, um, trouble, you know, because you're going to run into trouble in the Derby unless you're like, you know, super fortunate and just uh, of the, of the 19 or 20 that are going to run only one or two of them are going to get clean trips. Oh man. Exactly. Lightheaded just thinking about it. I, I really cannot recall a year where at this stage of the game things were still as unsettled as they are now. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing because there's really, you know, I guess now we do have somebody that stepped up and ran a good race in Forte that we have like at least that. Um, because before Saturday, we didn't have anything. <laughs> no, we didn't have no. anything. Like, seriously, like the, the, the horses that ran out in Oakland, they're okay, but nothing that, that was like, oh, man, you know, got to keep an eye on that one. None of that, really. I mean, Forte looked like the goods, like he was supposed to. Um, I, I mean, we, we know probably <clears throat> if everything goes well. Who's going to be the favorite in the Florida Derby? Who's going to be the favorite in the uh, Santa Anita Derby? Where at least we know one of the two, if Arabian Night does wind up indeed running in the Santa Anita Derby um, and practical move runs in it, those two will be significant favorites in that race. Uh, and obviously Forte, if he carries on to the uh, the Florida Derby, will be the gigantic favorite in that race. But New York is still a mystery. I guess Hit Show will probably be, depending on who shows up. But, I mean, I have no idea who's going to be the favorite in Arkansas. Or, or no way. the Louisiana Derby. I really don't have any idea who's going to be the favorite. In, in those well, races. especially now that, you know, the Bafferts didn't run all that well. No. So now it's like yeah, everything's up for grabs in, in Arkansas. <laughs> it's like, I mean, is victory formation where you're going to? Really that confident in that horse? Oh. We got a bet. I got a bet. To or instant coffee? You really that confident in that horse? I, I don't like the fact he skipped the race. That, that just to me is. I, I, I don't. What like for? That's, I, that's I, my well, question. Why? 
I mean, we got to come to grips with the fact that trainers are just not going to tell us the truth most of the time. <laughs> no, never. You know, um, no offense, Brett Cox, but uh, Loggins, you know, he was sound. They were just giving him a little break. <laughs> it was like five months ago. <laughs> <coughs> Literally. <clears throat> Kenny Loggins has had a, had a hit single since, uh, has not had a hit single since, since Loggins' last race, man. <laughs> so, is so it the Caddyshack song? Uh, Corniche, you know, Corniche. Nah, nothing's wrong. He's oh, good. Corniche, he's healthy. <laughs> he's, he's doing good. Uh, we're just taking our time with him. Yeah, it took her time. He, hey, it took her time to retire. He, he ran in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in November, and his next race was in August. <laughs> <clears throat> nah, nah. <laughs> and then pretty soon after that, he was retired. Um, so yeah, we're, we're not going to get the true story a lot of times. And, and, and I, I, I kind of understand though. I think that we, you'd be better served actually telling people what the problems are. Right. And that way after the fact, after the horse runs bad, say, yeah, geez, we've been battling a foot. And I do understand the, the point of view of, Hey, if I say anything physically is wrong with this horse, even a foot issue, but horses do not break down because they have everybody freaks out foot and something were to happen in the race. Everyone's going to freak out, but everyone's going to freak out anyways, especially if they find out that you had been, um, you know, having, having some, some issues. So especially in these type of races, just, just, you know, God, just to say, Hey, listen, he got a little light on us. I mean, people are going to run in these derby preps regardless. I mean, we don't yes. often see. I mean, in Southern California and early ones, yeah, we see some fivers. But not in this the year. West and, and in the <laughs> East, we don't see very many derby preps that aren't full fields anyways. It's not like you're, you're you know. Oh man, they heard something's wrong with my horse, so there's going to be six extra horses entered. That, that's just not the way it is. It's why the weights should be equal. Um, you know, the, you shouldn't have these weight breaks in these races. Just make the races equal. Make all right. I, I don't understand that either. Why wouldn't they just make it all the same across the board? It makes no sense to do it any other way. Because in 1975, trainers <clears throat> gave a shit about three pounds. Now, no one cares about it. They would take it. But it's it's silly, you know. They're they're in the races for the point. Even the greats, they're for derby. Perhaps they're really two. important. They're all two. Really, they're not really that important. No one's running in the race because of the grade. They're running in the race because they want to get points. The right. points they, are where it's at. All of them should be twos, and twos or threes, right? Including the Florida Derby, two. Yeah, they should be. They're they're, they're just. <clears throat> They're prep races. Right. They're not the big pot of gold. And you have the 100-point prep races. They're all within like seven days of each other. Right. So it's not like there's... You're up five ways. Right. There's no opportunities for anybody to catch that great one because they're running in a different one. So make them all twos. If you had one race, if there was one race, if, if, if in the United States... We had a January, February, March, and April. We had one prep for the Kentucky Derby. Then you could definitely convince me that one or two of those should be grade ones because everybody would be in the race. All the top contenders would be in the same race. 
like the Kentucky Derby, where all the top contenders that qualify, that can run in it, run it. So it, it, that, that's what a grade one race is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the best of the best, the top of the division. It's not supposed to be, oh, one good horse and, and, and you know, and that's, that's sometimes, you know, or often what we get. When you go back to some of the fields and some of these uh, derby preps years later, they, oh, it was horrible feels. <laughs> a lot, a lot like, of times you're like, well, I don't remember that horse. <laughs> you know, well, look at, look at, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, White Abario, for example. Yeah, he won a great one in, 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 in the Florida Derby. Probably will never, ever win another grade one. I mean, you know, does he really deserve the grade one? Probably not. It, it it just is, I mean, but it's that's... just it's the simplest of things. The graded system, it just it just is so disjointed. It's just a disjointed thing, man. It was because it never was reevaluated and never thought to be changed. You know, um, if the idea of changing it was there earlier or reevaluating what's going on might be a different story but back when these things were put in to play they they just was like all right well this is what we're gonna do and nobody ever bothered changing it or reimagining it or thinking about it even more than you know when they decided they were going to be grade ones what what's your famous quote about why we do things the way we do them it's downfall of the industry, bro. <laughs> because that's the way we always That's the it. way we always do it. That's the way we always did it. Well, you know what? You can change that. And you can make it better. And you can do different things. You can even try stuff that doesn't work and then change it back. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just it's it's just not there's no there's no reward in being inflexible. And sometimes I think like wholesale changes are the way to do it. Like like scrap it and just just reimagine the process that you wanna have, right? Say to yourself, Okay, this is the final goal in these series of races. Let's try to set it up as as properly as possible. But that, you know, it's it, sometimes it I shouldn't say sometimes, but a lot of times they just keep tinkering. Well, that's the thing is, you know, there was a time where, you know, this stuff that we have now that we're still doing from way back in the 60s, 70s worked. Right. Clearly, the landscape has changed. There's a lot of different things that have changed since, let's say, 1970 to the present. Why would you still be doing the same things you were doing in 1970 that you're doing now? There's no reason for it because things change. And you should be able to adapt and change with the times. There's less horses out there. That's for one. I mean, there's there's all kinds of factors that are different when that stuff was working. Like when the graded system was working. There was a point in time where it was working. 
but things have changed. I sent up a, a video yesterday. Someone sent me a video of the, the 1974 Carter, <clears throat> which has been a great one for a long time. What a race. F- Forgo beat Mr. Prospect. <laughs> Imagine that. And, and it was it was a great two. <laughs> Forgo against Mr. Prospector in timeless moment. And I mean that was that was what those were the type of horses that, that you faded in grade twos. Not quite a barrio. I, I think the perfect example though of what you just said is is the three year old Philly Stakes in the spring into the summer at Belmont and Saratoga. And oh, that, like the Acorn, the, the Acorn Mother Goose. The, remember we had the Triple Chiara? Yeah, that was those are spectacular. And, and the last time I remember it relevant was when MC Hammer had horses in it. <laughs> that was like the yeah. last time it was any good. I was. I groom. mean, not that the races haven't been good on their own, like individually. No, I. I years. The, the, it, it hasn't. The triple tier is dead. I mean, it essentially doesn't exist anymore. It right. was the acorn would lead it off, and then the mother goose, uh, and then the uh, the coaching club American Oaks. Man, those but are great races, and the they strung together. The difference now is that, and, and this is something that people who who are just getting into the game or, or, or just recent entrants into the game probably would be very surprised <clears throat> at. But the Kentucky Oaks was not a huge race. No, it wasn't. 30 years ago. It was nowhere near what it is now, which is, uh, it's not the Derby. People don't, people don't run impossible horses that often in the Kentucky Oaks because they can say, oh, I had one on the Oaks. Because that that's not, you see complete, you know, ridiculous horses in the in the Derby. And the, the reason is given, some, sometimes the people are even honest and say, hey, I, I just, I'm never going to get a chance to run a horse. The Derby, it's been a dream of mine. People don't say that about the Kentucky Oaks. That just doesn't happen. But the rise of the Kentucky Oaks, because of Churchill Downs' focus on that weekend uh, and, and making it more important, has affected what happens at Belmont. Because clearly, all the top three-year-old fillies that can go um, a mile and a sixteenth or further or even horses that are milers, they're going to try to stretch them out that that other eighth of a mile. They're going to be in the Kentucky Oaks. So you're not going to have anything going on um, until June now. You could run a race up against the Kentucky Oaks, but you're not getting the, the top of the division. So now, you know, the acorn got kicked to Belmont Day. And, I mean, my idea for the acorn was to cut it back in distance instead of having it be a mile, have it be seven eighths and run the mother goose on the same card at a mile and an eighth. Hmm. And this way you get the sprinters that come out of the race at Churchill, the, the whatever they call it, they run a seven furlong grade two at Churchill on, on Oaks day for Phillies, three year old Phillies that always gets like a 10 horse field. I think obligatory won it last year. Yeah, obligatory. So, um, you know, you get those to come into the acorn. And maybe a horse in there might say, you know what, I want to stretch out. They can go into the the mother goose. And the Oaks horses, for the most part, will go into the mother goose. Because five weeks later, it's the next race in the progression. Stay at a mile and an eighth. 
So you could run both the sprinters <clears throat> and you could run the, the you know the the distance horses. But Naira, in uh, in their wisdom, decided to make the mother goose. Excuse me to to um, to postpone the mother goose to like later. Uh, or put it in the fall where it doesn't really fit at all because you have the cotillion, which is now a grade one, and it's a million-dollar race at parks in September. So, <laughs> end of September. so, so that, that race overshadows everything. The race before that at Saratoga is the Alabama, the mile and a quarter, which is, of course, still a huge race, grade one. So there's no spot for that to, to comfortably fit in the fall. But you, you made the acorn a mile and a 16th. So, see, that doesn't make sense to me because now – you have to cut back um, from the oaks. You're cutting back in distance, and it's a one-turn race. <laughs> so you're probably not going to get the sprinters to, to go. The right. horse is coming out of the Churchill race. Um, what's the name of that stupid race? <laughs> no, it's going to bother me until I figure it out. But um, you're not going to, you know, maybe you'll get one. So it just didn't make sense. You, you could have had two really good races, and instead they, they change it. And I, I just don't understand the logic behind that. Because now <clears throat> you have that race, and then you have the, the coaching club, but that, that's not till um, the first week of Saratoga, second week of Saratoga. Saratoga, yeah. And then you have the Alabama, which is uh, you know the, close to the end of the Saratoga meet. But everything changed because of the Kentucky Oaks. If the Kentucky Oaks was still the race it was, you could run the Acorn up against it. The Acorn used to be run early May. And a lot of horses, a lot of fillies, a lot of connections, they chose the Naira, the Triple Tierra. That, that, that's what they chose as opposed to the Kentucky Oaks. Sky Beauty. You know, that, of course, she was a Belmont lover, but um, these days he probably would have run her in the Oaks, which is fine, you know. But you know, oh, like we were right. talking about, it, they just have to make changes and and make make it make sense. Right, exactly. Make it make sense again, and and to me that that's what made sense. You, you have right. Phillies going a mile and an eighth in the Oaks, a mile and an eighth in the mother goose, you could have them in the mother goose, then you could run them a mile and an eighth in the coaching club, and then a mile and a quarter in the the Alabama, and then a mile and an eighth in Cotillion. Bang, 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 bang. Grade one, grade one, grade one, grade one, grade one. I mean, that to me is uh, an ideal schedule for your graded, your, right, your, for your top, top graded top horses. horses. Right. You know, that's the ideal schedule. Oaks, acorn, I mean, excuse me, oaks, um, Mother Goose, Coaching Club, Alabama, Cotillion. You know, I, I would even move the Coaching Club up to opening weekend in Saratoga. <clears throat> yeah, make it, make it make it five weeks from from the, the, Oaks, the Cotillion the Oaks to the the Mother Goose by the Mother Goose on 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 Belmont Day or the day before, then five more weeks until the Coaching Club, then five more weeks to the Al or six five or six weeks to the Alabama. And then I think it's five weeks to the cotillion, and that's the way you make all the trainers happy. You'll you'll, you'll have a, a a grade one path right to the stupid breeders' cup to staff. Right. So I, that's that's the thing is you know how hard did that really, you know how how hard was that to come up with? We came up with it here for free. Right. 
I mean, and and you're telling me that <laughs> between <laughs> everybody at Naira, everybody at Churchill, everybody at, at every other track couldn't have thought of that and been like, hey, why don't we just do this? I'm just trying to save the mother goose because there's no reason for that race to go away. We need right. It's getting lost in the shuffle the way yeah. it is now, and and nobody's in it, and and it's meaningless. When in actuality, it could be, like you said, a path directly in the path of, you know, for anybody going into the Breeders' Cup. And, and honestly, we need sprints for Phillies. Absolutely, top flight sprints. There's not enough of them. The acorn could be like the test of the spring at seven eighths. At a mile and sixteenth, it's just another race. And a lot of the the, the, the decent horses skip it. They're, they're gonna go to the Delaware Oaks or the Mammoth Oaks or the Iowa Oaks or the Indiana <clears throat> Oaks. Which right. of course, uh, I mean I, I wrote a piece about that last year. Um <laughs> you know, the insanity <laughs> of having four B-level Oaks races and having three of them be within seven days of each other. Right. The scheduling is so poor. Like... <laughs> Mammoth, the Mammoth Oaks, the Delaware Oaks. So when they... when they Tell me why, they, Barry, why wouldn't you do this? The Mammoth Oaks, the <laughs> Delaware Oaks, the Indiana Oaks, and the Iowa Oaks. Why wouldn't the tracks get together and say, you know what we should do? Let's we spread can... these out. Yeah, let, let's let's run a series. And, right. and you know what? Let's... let's uh, uh, have a bonus structure for for it. I mean, you know, we could ensure that it wouldn't cost a whole lot. It's not like you need a million dollar bonus. You're you're kind of getting the B team horses anyways, and say, you know what, maybe, maybe we can attract, um, you know, horses to run. Uh, and, and Mammoth runs it in May, and 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 Delaware runs it in June, or Indiana runs it in July, and and uh, uh, Iowa runs it in August. Okay, so so my question, and this is something you might know. Why would any of those places not want to be on board with that? I have no idea. I don't understand. It, it, I mean, you could do that in a text message. <laughs> right. That's hey. what I mean. It's a phone call. He's like, oh, we're going to have a, a quick Zoom meeting to talk about this shit. <laughs> and, and just literally say, hey, all right, if we just coordinate ourselves in, in our stakes races, we could make this into something that's that's probably – you know, good for everybody. Say, hey, we're going to put a series together for three-year-old Phillies. This is it. Then All we need is, like, literally five minutes on your show. Five minutes. Show the post-parade and show the race. And, and that's it. We don't, we don't need... We don't, we don't need a, a remote. We, we don't need you to fly uh, one of them people in there to do it. Just, just give us... One you know, of them people. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. One of those people. <laughs> Um, I mean, even if they said no, like, like try, like TVG wouldn't do it or somebody wouldn't do it. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. Like make the races make sense, make the races a series, put them in order so that you can get rivalries and you can get better races. I can guarantee you this three-year-old Phillies going long on the dirt. There aren't. Enough to fill three races in seven days unless you're going to get a lot of lower quality horses in there. And you know what happens when you spread the talent out? Often you get Brad Cox running one of the grade ones in there 
where you get like Chad Brown every whooping year. in and winning and at one to Mammoth. He brings a what's what that horse, that risk horse, whatever, and they go off at one to two, and uh, you know the people. Oh my God, those Phillies! Oh. Instead of having nine, nine good ones, yeah, or seven good ones, or, or five good ones, and right, a couple at least a ones, competitive and, race, you know, a couple home team horses, but like it just doesn't make sense. There's just not that many horses of that uh, of that class out there. They just aren't. So why not try to get them in the same races moving forward? This way, every track benefits. It's not as though um, the, the the lead up to that race at Iowa or the lead up to that race at Indiana is some, you know, you know, the, what's, what's the prep for the Indiana Oaks? <laughs> You know, the, 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 <laughs> the, the eighth race the Reggie on, Wayne on a, or something, you know, the like, eighth race on a Thursday at Indiana. Thursday. Grand. So, so why not use that work together? And, and I think this is a, a guy today because, you know, of course, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we always pontificate on Twitter about all the things that racing should do and blah, blah, blah. And sadly, sadly, we just say the same things over and over again, but. A person asked, the, the, guy, the guy's, you know, he's a good dude, and, and, and he's he's not one of these, you know, wild idea people. <laughs> but, you know, his idea was, was um, you know, having like 10 tracks and then um, having them work together and this and that. And it, I, I said, dude, it just can't. It, it'll never work. Racing cannot shrink its way to success. The smaller it gets, the worse it gets. And, and I don't care what your thoughts on the process are. You cannot bring me any evidence that says... Less is more, yeah. ...that that this business is going to survive if we stop running on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Like, people are going to bet other stuff. They do. What do you mean they're going? They do. (laughs) Where where, where are they going to come from? And and this is the whole... and, And this is the key. And this is the one thing that shouldn't be the giant impediment that it is, but it is. And I'm going to tell you, and and it's the truth. The racetracks will not work with each other in a manner where anyone ever has to give up anything. Now, the idea we just promoted about the Oaks, they're not giving up anything. They're running the same race. This was right, you just run it at a different right, time. Right, right. They're not not running, you know, the race and letting someone else run your race. No, it's just scheduling. Right. But the racetracks see each other as the competition. They do not see sports wagering as the competition. They do not see casinos as the competition. They see each other as the competition, which is insanity. But that's how it is. Churchill Downs is not going to give one freaking inch to Naira or to the Strana Group or to Ocon or anyone if it costs them a nickel. Even if the long-term benefit is going to be positive. Because that's just not how it operates. There, there was a simulcast issue a couple of years ago. Um, and, and Churchill wound up... And everybody gave in. Everybody gave in. Everybody said, you know, the horsemen, the breeders... Um, you know, California. There's there's two horsemen's organizations. There's an owners 
and a, and a, and a trainers, but the owners, the trainers, the breeders, the tracks, Delmars, the, the Stronic tracks, everybody was willing to chip in a portion of their, uh, just this tiny slice off of their, their cut of simulcast cut um, to try to raise purses. So it wasn't coming from the customers. <clears throat> it was just money that went to, you know, to try to um, beef up the purses because after the pandemic, the purses were, you know, there, there was issues. Or my, my, I, I can't remember, but it was a rare occasion where everybody kind of said, you know what, if we just sacrifice this, this little tiny bit, it, it, let's do it. Let's see how it works. And, and I think that'll, you know, they had to sue them <laughs> because they wouldn't oh, do God. it. They wouldn't do it. And the funny thing was, I remember someone who was involved in it telling me, because, you know, the, the odd thing is, because they probably were going to be the biggest beneficiary. Of right. It. They were going to make out better than anybody else. Yeah, because they don't have to, um, they don't run races out there. You know, they don't have a track out there. They, they don't have to put up the bricks and mortars costs and everything. They're, they're just, uh, you know, they're an ADW out there. They're just simply, you know. They're, they're not who's, who's advising the them that's the thing who's but telling that, them that, that's that's just the way they operate as a corporate you know their corporate structure or whatever yeah so but, i mean that's at least the, take thing the is, time to think about it and be like all right well what's the pros and cons here i mean i'll, I'll, I'll tell you a secret um <laughs> and of course they probably deny it but do you recall when um in Kentucky, was it last two, two, two springs ago or winters ago, when the slot machine debate was going on and... The HHR? Um, yeah. You know who lobbied against that and tried to, get, tried to defeat it? <laughs> and remember, this is technical language about uh, the slots and about the paramutuals and, and, and it's legal stuff. It's not... Um, you know, are you against slots or your four slots? It has nothing to do with that. It was technically, uh, a, a, you know, a technical reading of the law. Did the Constitution of the state of Kentucky say that this is paramutual? And, and the Supreme Court in Kentucky was ruling if it was paramutual or not paramutual, whatever. That was the, the, the question. Yeah, I remember that. Do you know who lobbied against that? CDI. Yeah. No, no, they they were way for it. <laughs> I would hope so, but uh, spent money lobbying against it. Who would lobby against that? Uh, uh, a racetrack company that doesn't have a track in Kentucky. No track in Kentucky. Yeah. A strong group. Yeah. You know why? why? Because they had a technology. And a slot machine that they believed they could get legal there. So they were so just I, holding on to it like you know proprietary software that they would introduce only if it benefited them. Yeah, and if it got ruled down, and obviously Kentucky would have been in a huge mess. <laughs> what snakes? This is what I'm talking <laughs> about. And, and they would probably you undercut say, everything. Like, and, and and you know what they would say? Well, you know what? We we don't really, you know, we I mean we benefit from simulcasting there and to and from. But 
hey, it's a business decision. If 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 they used our machines, we would make a lot of money. Well, that's the that, thing. That's the thing, Barry, is that people in this business forget. Or people outside, people like us, people like we talk to, people. We love the sport, right? We love the game. We see the game as being under the the umbrella of horse racing, mm-hmm. but it isn't. <laughs> there is no horse racing. <laughs> that's how many times we said that. There is no horse racing. Horse racing is a disjointed, um, barely functioning industry that has people and, and organizations going in eighteen different directions. Um, and like I said. They the track see each other as the competition. Well, no one's working together to grow the pie. They're just fighting over the the the. the this is the eighteen inch pizza. Instead of trying to make it a twenty four inch pizza, they they want to make grab, it a twelve inch. No, they'd rather grab two pieces instead of one. <laughs> so, okay, here's another question for you. Does for example, like in the example you just gave, does the Stronach Group understand that CDI success kind of helps them and they help each other in that way? I, I just don't know. I don't Do they understand the business? I guess that's my question. Do they really understand the business? I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that we don't, you know, we're not really privy to, like in the, the simulcast contracts, mm-hmm. um, the tote companies, um, the the ADWs, the um, contracts, the uh, the you know the elite turf clubs of the world, the 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 the, the teams, the rebate clubs, you know. The big track companies are all kind of in cahoots on those. <laughs> um, in, in some ways, in some, I mean, look, uh, Naira switched over, or Churchill switched over to, to uh, you know, Churchill and Naira now have the same tow company. Um, that that used to be, you know, Churchill used to have the, the Stronic tow companies. I don't, I can't remember if it's Amtote or Autotote or which one it is, but you know they lost that business um, <laughs> there, there's uh the stronics um or first or whatever the hell they call themselves most of the signals that are sent overseas uh goes through them hmm. and and uh I, i've heard that they do very well at that something that you don't think of i don't think of the normal guy go to the races the horseman none of we don't think about who handles the dollar that a guy in England is betting on Philadelphia or Philadelphia Park on parks? Like, <laughs> did, does that ever cross anybody's mind? No, not until just now. No, right. But someone is, and someone in this country is, and someone's profiting from that. And, um, you know, that's that's part of the that that's one of those, you know, issues that that aren't issues because we don't see them, we don't know them, we don't see what's going on with them. So. How profitable are, are they? I don't know. I have no idea. No clue. Zero. Yeah, but they don't see that, that as like almost like self-sabotage when they do things to other, you know, racetrack companies or they, you know, they're just not willing to work with them at all or, you know. I, I mean, they all do it, though. I mean, that's the thing is, is that you say to yourself, OK, they can work together on simulcast contracts. They can work together on. Um, you know some of these other issues 
some of these other uh, money making ventures, but then they run the races on top of each other. <laughs> so asinine. So, so you think to yourself, like, like why? Just why? And that's that just goes back to the 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 disjointed <clears throat> part of the sport where no one feels like um, they should have to do this, and that's not our, that's not my job. Um, I remember last fall, um, it was, uh, it was a Wednesday and Keeneland was running and of car, obviously Keeneland's the giant signal at that time of the year and a couple little tracks, Finger Lakes, I think, and, uh, one of the Ohio tracks somewhere else. I can't remember where else. Um, but they were all running at the same time <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, how? Like, okay, I could see if Mahoning Valley and Parks were ran simultaneously because, hey, you know what? I mean, but shouldn't everyone that's running against Keeneland be cognizant of the times? Uh, Keeneland's post times, considering that they're probably getting, um, you know, what, 75, 80% of the handle? during those hours. So you would want to make sure that you stayed off of their post times, but it, it just, it didn't happen. And, and I, I put something on Twitter and it was funny because I, I got a private message from a guy who's a mutual manager at a big track and, and he laughed and he says, it's pretty amazing that <laughs> this happens. Right. And I said, yeah. And he said something to the effect of, uh, I, I've tried, you know, I, I've tried, but it, it, it happens, you know, um, so, hey, you know, this is our schedule and, uh, you know, for a couple minutes off, just, hey, you know, we're like, just. Yeah, just hold it just yeah, a couple minutes, yeah, you know, like here we are. This is where we're going to be. We're on, you know, we're on the networks and, and it's not hard to find us. And he said, you know, they still they still run right up against us and. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's one of the keys to, to the Pompano's success was Gabe was very much aware of post times of other tracks. And he knew the ones that to lay off of. Uh, no. I never understood why people okay. bet Northfield because I can't make heads or tails out of that race, out of that track. But um, Northfield gets great handle. They handle, they, shit, man, they dot, they, they kill Yonkers. Um, and he knew, yeah, he said, hey, wow. you know what, Northfield's a big handle track. I got to stay off of it because if I, you know, if I don't want to go head and head with them, uh, I don't want to make my players choose. It's hard to handicap and bet two races that are going off at the same time. Especially harness because they're faster. Yes, they drag post like excessively, but the races <laughs> don't, there's not 32 minutes between races. So if you have two tracks or three tracks running, and one's in the middle and two are at the same time. Well, that, that's a lot of handicapping, a lot of betting, a lot of action in like seven minutes for, for people. But, um, I mean, that was the key to success. One of the, one of the many, but was being able to stay off of the, the, the signals. And you know, I mean, there's going to be times if there's, uh, uh, you know, a late scratch or, or a delay or weather, something like that you know you, you move post time up because there's a big storm coming and all you want to do you're not worried about running against our track you're just trying to get your race off before uh, you know someone gets struck by lightning but um 
Well, I can say, you know, from things that I know, that some of the tracks, they, they just don't want to budge on any of that. No. You know, but, but you like, want to like TVG will call them or yeah. FanDuel would be like, hey, can you just hold on to your post time for a couple minutes so we could get you and the other track in? Like, nah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> some, some tracks, not all of them. Some of them will work with them. Others, they're like, no. Right, and the person that says no should be fired. And if right. his boss is the one who told him to say no, he should be fired. <clears throat> and and I guarantee you, at those tracks, and and I don't even know the the tracks you're talking about, and I don't even want to know. But I would almost guarantee you that they're run by guys that aren't racetrack managers; they're casino managers. Huh. They just don't care. And that, and that's the damn truth, and and that goes back to the point where the guy's saying, "Yeah, we should have ten tracks." The tracks won't work together, <coughs> and a lot of tracks, it's very difficult knowing what we know at this point to think that they actually see a future in racing, and it's very depressing sometimes when you, you really get down to it because there's been so many missed opportunities. Um, it, it's just why the, the there's this you know fallacy of the star horses and early retirements. None of that shit matters. It never mattered. It never did matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it just doesn't matter because all those horses do is, is, is bring a couple extra people to the races on the day they run. And um, when when they run, it's great. I mean, no one's saying that, that having star horses is a bad thing. That's not, it's one of those things that people always use in this business, especially that if you're for this, then you must be against this. Oh, man. Or if you're against that. this, you must be for this, which is, of course, is always wrong. But like Flightline wasn't helping racing this year. He would have helped if they ran him at Saratoga. He would have had a huge crowd, even if it was going to be, you know, him versus. Three blind mice. <laughs> Tomato cans. Tomato cans with legs. It would have helped the day they ran, but this wasn't... <clears throat> the thing about Secretariat, and we all go back to the movie and the documentaries and the thing about Secretariat. The thing about Secretariat was this. It was a unique time in the country. And he accomplished something that A, was on people's radar. Horse racing was still a very big sport at that time. And yeah. the Triple Crown was a, a, a an accomplishment. It was something along the lines of winning the World Series. But people knew what it was. Yes. Right. Flightline winning the Pacific Classic by 20 lengths is not a national story because the Pacific Classic <clears throat> is not in anyone's consciousness that's not part of horse racing. And they should, but it's not. And, and these days, there's so much more focus on sports, on betting, on things. That Secretary came along. Remember, it hadn't been done in 25 years. It was still a national sport. And this horse came out, and, and he, what would he run, eight times as a two-year-old? <laughs> and it was not like a horse that runs every month or, or excuse me, every three months. Um. And I mean, there was doubt going into the Derby that he was going to win because he lost his last race before the Derby. 
And then when he won, won the Derby and set the track record, that just kind of tipped everything off. And then, of course, the Preakness was the Preakness might have been his best race. I mean, the horse circled the field in the first turn. <laughs> you know, like he did something that you just don't see. Uh, and then, of course, the Belmont, which is which is, you know, the most famous race in North America ever. Um, you know, the Belmont stakes and, and the secretary and the famous photos and, and the, the famous call. Literally everything about that race was famous. It still resonates today, 50 years later. But it was a different time. And it was a five-week period where horse racing was on top of the world. We, we had Time Magazine. We had all these things. Time Magazine was still a thing back then. I don't even know if they published a stupid thing at the point. Nobody even buys magazines. Huh. Who, who, who wants to buy a magazine and read last week's news? Well, the the at that time, boxing and horse racing were the top two sports. Yes, and it's like and we're never going to – we can't recapture that. That's not right. going to happen. So, like, to think that, that you're going to get anything like that, Cigar, cigar when cigars winning streaks started getting up there, they ran him a lot. Billy Mott ran that horse all over the place. He ran at Suffolk, he ran at Arlington, he, he ran at uh, you know, all the East Coast tracks, he ran then at Goldstream, he ran at Arkansas. I mean, the horse went on a national tour, and then you know what? It, when he started to tail off, and then when he retired, the whole world didn't like come to an end. We, <laughs> We just moved on. No one said, oh, it's terrible for racing. Cigars retired. The horses have short shelf lives. Secretariat ran two years. Two years. He had 21 starts, but he only ran as a two-year-old and a three-year-old. He didn't run. He wasn't Kelso. He wasn't Forgo. He didn't have all these long campaigns. He had two years. So this idea that, that any horse, any horse is going to somehow uh, drive horse racing back into the front you know, pages, shit, they don't even have, no, people don't even read newspapers. <laughs> my dad does. My dad reads newspapers. He, he leaves them all over the place and it drives me crazy. But um, it's it's... It's just we we have decades of, of of evidence that shows that it doesn't matter what big horse, what big star races and retires, and it doesn't matter if they retire early or they they campaign three years like Zenyatta did. When they're gone, they're gone, and and life goes on. And in the end, I, I put a tweet up today. I said, well, "What are the most popular things in horse racing?" Like what's, in what's num- number one, Kentucky Derby, right? Yeah. And, and I put a tie for second, third, fourth thing between the Breeders' Cup and I, I probably should have put the other Triple Crown race. <clears throat> I was going to um, say the, the other two. Right. Um, Saratoga, Del Mar, Keeneland. Uh, maybe to a lesser extent, a little below that would be maybe uh, Kentucky Downs, but that's only a couple days. Right. Now, Saratoga and Del Mar and the Breeders' Cup and 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 the the, the Belmont and, and the Preakness and like those are huge events every year, no matter who's running in them. 
We don't need a star in those races to make to make them go. Like it doesn't matter if if uh, some great horse is going to run at Saratoga. They run a forty day meet and and they get a million people, even though it's probably about seven hundred thousand. Um, <laughs> because they count the uh, the passes. So even if you go every day, if you bought a pass that says you <laughs> you can go every day, you get counted. Whatever. That's what the sports leagues do. So. <laughs> Um, oh, the greatest thing was, I remember I was at Parks. So it was the first year I was at Parks. And there was a giant snowstorm. This is in the wintertime. And the Sixers and whoever, whatever team they were playing made it into town. And then there was like this blizzard. The refs made it into town too. And instead of canceling the game, they said, you know what? We're stuck here anyways. We're going to play the game. Play again. But you know, we we realized that the city shut down, the buses are shut down, the, the roads are you know are, are half impassable, and so free game. So they they played the game. There was like uh, there was like four hundred people in the stands. Um, and the next day in the uh, the, the paper and the box score. They had attendance for like twelve thousand. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because they count tickets sold. It's not attendance. It's not how many people actually show up. It's how many tickets they sold. If they sold a ticket, if if this seat is sold, we count it because we're collecting the the the, the money for it, and and I guess they're paying the tax on it. So that's how they look at it. <laughs> I mean, there was literally four hundred people. If you can imagine 400 people in a in a 19,000-seat uh, arena. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, let's go back to the point was, I mean, Saratoga's great no matter what. Even on shitty days, even when they run a bunch of New York Reds and, and 25 never win twos and uh, or it rains, it's Saratoga. Same with Del Mar, right? I mean, every car to Del Mar isn't like... Uh, uh, isn't stellar stakes galore um the preakness every year it's a giant party well it used to be now it's they're they're turning that into the uh playground for the elite oh boy pimlico playground for the elite um but uh, you know the belmont it's it, it's a big day well it's just it's just wild to me that however long this sport has been around that they were so spoiled that they have no idea how to bring in new people. How does that happen? Monopoly. Monopoly for <laughs> but it wasn't hundred years. They had to read the writing on the wall, right? At some point they had to say, Oh, the tables are turning here. We gotta do something. Nobody had that thought. Nobody had that conversation with somebody else. It goes in back it goes back 50 to the years. No leadership. I mean, who, who are the leaders in this business? The well, I know some people ends. think they're leaders, but they're not leaders. They're, they want to be dictators. There's a difference. Leaders get people to follow them. Dictators make people follow them. Dictators also usually wind up, you know, dictating. You know, getting uh, over over uh, overrun. <laughs> Thrown. Wind up on the Overthrown as a coup. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but that—that's—that's. That's, I mean, look, e- even now, right? Uh, how many times in these industry functions, 
and these big meetings and these big powwows, of course, things that, you know, you and I will never get invited to, <laughs> um, do they tout sports betting as, as kind of, uh, you know, a big, uh, a big opportunity, you know, and I, I say to myself, uh, what, <laughs> uh, what? I used to have the only gas station in town. People had to come to me for gas. They wanted gas. They had to come to my gas station. Hey, but you know what? They're putting up two stations right across the street from me. What an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You know what? What an opportunity for me to relocate. (laughs) Go somewhere else. How many sports leagues can you bet on nowadays <laughs> all of them so how many days of the week are all there not them. sports events to bet on no days they're all sports all the time so the racing strategy that people want to promote is that we should race less and give them more money. And give them more. And then, because we're consolidating, they're going to bet more on our races, even though the days we don't race, they're going to be betting on something other than racing. Right. The, the interest is just going to go away. It just doesn't seem like this is a good idea. And it's one of those question marks where I, I just say to myself, what am I wrong here? How, what am I missing? Like, what angle am I missing here that people are hanging their hat on? Because I just have a hard time understanding the logic of, of how sports wagering is going to help us. I mean, casino revenues have kept racing afloat. Right? I mean, for the most part, you talk about Kentucky, you talk about uh, Oak Lawn, you're talking about, uh, I mean, even places like Maryland, a lot of that money is, is, is from uh, slot machines. It doesn't, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a more quiet activity there because the purses aren't, aren't sky high. Uh, parks, Penn National, the New Mexico tracks that take horses down for no reason. Um, I said Oakland, right? Uh, Louisiana. All these places have been propped up by, by slot machines. Hence the name Harris in front of it. Right. But the difference is in sports wagering is that for the most part, <coughs> they're not including us. We're not getting a, a piece of the action. And the other part of sports wagering, unlike casinos, or excuse me, racinos with slot machines. Slot machines, if you gave me the option, Chuck, you could own a slot parlor or a sports book. A, a thousand sports times book. out of a thousand, I'd take the slots. Sports book. Slots are guaranteed money. Yeah. It's a steady stream. You cannot lose. You you actually go in to the <clears> machine <throat> and dictate how much it's going to pay off that day. <laughs> you control how much money you're going to make. Instant takeout. You can't lose. Sports wagering, you can lose. Now, the way they've they've framed the corporate books these days, 
is really a travesty. The the the, the odds are just terrible. The they, they cut people off. It, it's just you know they're going to wind up making money on that eventually because they're just making people take. Uh, I, I saw Super Bowl props were both sides were one minus one twenty, like the coin flip and some of the books was one twenty either side. They can't lose. They can't lose at, at that. <laughs> it's one twenty minus one twenty minus one twenty. So, so, um, uh, but but it it you know the, the hold is 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 is, is a thing that, that varies. Some months you lose. You could get hit big. You could get you could have a bad line. You, um, you know, and you can get buried before you can change it, and, and and you know it's it's possible. But the amount of money is just staggering, and and that's the thing is thinking. You know, today the report went out, and I send you these like every month, and I'm sure you're probably sick of it. But um, <laughs> since Dennis Drazen argued in front of the Supreme Court, now and it's funny, it's not ironic, it's not funny, but it's ironic. That a racing guy is the reason that we have countrywide sports wagering. Because Drazen fought the damn thing to the Supreme Court. And I give him a lot of credit for doing it. A lot of people, you know, it's people have short memories. But there was a lot of, um, and, and I'm not talking just racing people. I'm talking about you know, uh, legal people th- thinking that, that he was going to lose. Because he did lose, and he kept appealing, kept appealing it, and then he got lucky enough that, that the Supreme Court decided to hear his case. Um, but a horse racing person is what set off this sports wagering, uh, you know, thing craze. Uh, and, and just today, the guy who I get the figures from, who seems like he's reliable, very reliable, um. Since that day, since the sports wagering was legalized in New Jersey, obviously it's spread. $200 billion has been bet. $200 billion. This is only like, what, five years, four years? And Florida's not online. California's not online. I don't think Texas is online. Um... You know, I mean, these are huge states. New York, they're doing, remember early in January, they were doing $2 billion a week. Thomas <clears throat> does, does over ridiculous. a billion a month. That's insane. Those numbers are ridiculous. It, it's, it, they're like, yeah, right? They're, they're like, they're like fantasy numbers. It was like that one month that, that, <laughs> that uh, Florida had sports betting. It was, it was ridiculous like that. And that was just a month. And it was highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have the app. It's still on my phone. I think I, I think it's still yeah, on the Hard Rock app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had a, a month. Of, hey, uh, our guy Danny Wallach said he, he told the, it. He he, he had it to a T. Like everything he said happened. Every single yeah. thing. He said this is going to get overturned, and this is why. 
A, point A, point B, point C, point D. And it was like, it was scripted, man. <laughs> right, it's like he wrote it in advance. Like, he all right, even this is... said, I remember him even saying, the Department of Interior is going to okay it for, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the Department of Indian Affairs or whatever. They're going to okay it. He goes, because... Because you know, it's their much, stuff. They're, they're pretty they're, right. They pretty much rubber stamp anything that, that, that benefits the Native Americans. He goes, but legally, it's going to get overturned, and this is why. He was dead right. And and I don't know what the status is in Florida. Um, it's not even – I don't think it's even on the ballot this year. Well, what they did in Florida was they tried to do an end run so that they didn't have to put it on the ballot um, to change the state's uh, constitution because it's supposed to be voted on. Right. That was the thing that got the governor in trouble. Right. And they didn't want it to be voted on because that, that's a whole... Even know. though they sold themselves short on the amount of money that the tribes were supposed oh, to get. way, way short. Uh, wasn't it like $50 million? Uh, It was $500 million a year. Which... Yeah. Which is a drop. They the, get that in a month for, for a monopoly. They had a monopoly on it. They, if you did business, they were going to let um, the tribe was going to be able to whitelist. Like if Gulf right, Street they, Park, they have ex- exclusivity. If on, Gulf Street Park decided they wanted to have uh, support, you know, take sports wagers, they could do it, but they had to do it through the tribe, and they had to give them a huge cut of it. Um, and of course. The Seminoles would would have would be taking bets themselves, so it, it would almost be like you're working for the local bookmaker, but you got to pay him a huge chunk of your of your profits. So, in the end, uh, you know you're you're not really making very much money. You're making a sliver, and you're giving money to your competitor. So your competitor is making more money than you, who already has more money than you. They can offer the rebates because, uh, re- uh not rebates, um. Free play. Free play is like a huge thing in sports wagering. Um, they've given away you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars in free play. So so much so that that the companies are all still pretty much losing. You know, the big ones are still losing money. <clears throat> you can't give away. I mean, people are going to win sometimes when you give them money. If you, it's free money, they're going to win. If somebody's out there going to win, remember it's not it's not like paramutual where you're just trying to get volume. There's winners and losers. But I, I just I have a hard time from a racing standpoint seeing how sports wagering is going to benefit a racetrack that's not taking the best and and, and uh, you know like the Meadowlands. I think Gorel gives a little over a million dollars a year for purses. Um, and that's not very much, considering how much money is bet. Right, I was gonna say that's that doesn't add up. But yeah, I'd love to hear a compelling argument. Well, he doesn't have to give anything, according to their law. He he doesn't have to give him anything. So, you know, I I don't know that Drazen has to. Yeah, I'd love to hear a compelling argument on why. You know, all this sports betting and everything is good for horse racing. I still have yet to hear anything compelling. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. 
Well, why would people think that, though? I don't understand how they could just automatically think that that's a good thing. Barry went, it makes went no there. sense to me at all. Like how when Racinos you... first started, industry people thought they were going to put televisions in this, by the slot machines, and they were going to draw those people over to bet. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> Have you this ever is, seen a slots player? This is the truth, though. This is what happened. They actually thought there'd be crossover. That's insane. And as it turns out, there was virtually none. Zero. There was almost none. And it was just a lack of understanding. I mean, think of how they treat customers in general from a betting standpoint. The technology has been outdated. Um... The rules still, we're still getting post-time favorites and things like that. Uh, the takeout, the uh, just, you know, the, the catering to the whales and, and, and the, you know, computer groups. I mean, we are suckers in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, we are suckers because we're, we're not, we're not getting the best of it. And, and we're not all that valued as customers. <laughs> Most of us, if you bet a half a million dollars a year, you'd probably be a little more valued. And that's understandable. I mean, people that bet more, you know, should, you know, they make more on those guys. But <sighs> there's so many different things. There's so many different fires in the iron in these companies now. I mean, Churchill Downs Racing is 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 one segment of their business. Uh, Stronic Racing is one segment of their business. Um, I mean, Naira is a little bit of a different structure, but um, you know, they they are a racing company because they don't really have any other businesses. But um, <clears throat> you know, Naira Bets has has kind of uh, gone in some directions. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a complicated thing. It's not, we're not just racetracks anymore, and you know, again, uh, this is a little depressing <laughs> thinking about it. But, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but that this is this is the reason why a lot of this crap doesn't happen because you know the focus is is only on us. We're the stepchild now. Somehow or another, we wound up being the redheaded stepchild. And it probably was always going to happen. But I just think that on the horseman side, for sure, assumptions were made that were 100% wrong. I mean, a lot of times, the tracks came to the horsemen and said, hey, we need you to do this, and we need you to get your owners to put pressure on, on senators and need you to write letters we need you to show up at, at uh, uh, the capitol and, and, and march and write letters you know do all this stuff and the guys who called her did it and look what happened to their track ten, 10 years the place was gone it was on uh, I mean Calder was in hospice for the last four or five years we all knew it was going when they tore the grandstand down. I mean, generally, when a track tears the grandstand down, they're not gonna, you know, keep on racing. 
<laughs> it's usually the tip off. <laughs> no grandstand. Bunch of tents. Yeah. Not gonna be around for long. <clears throat> but I think it was inevitable and think I think the people are soft in the head if they think that racing would have um stepped up to the challenge of slots across in a building across the street as competition. Like, have you people seen how horse racing has operated for the last 25 years? Like what gives you any indication that that, that these same people would have come up with a radically different plan and they would have implemented it and it, and it would have thrived like, <laughs> Fat chance. Like, who are we talking about here? Right, the same people that look at the wrong race. Or yeah, like, <laughs> like, what makes anyone think that? <laughs> no, what I what I enjoy is when you get into these debates on Twitter. You, I mean, you is in you, and you yeah. tell somebody what they don't want to hear. And they get wildly upset. Oh, yeah. I know. Not just for the fact that you're saying anything that's wrong or talking down to anybody or anything like that. Nothing like that. Just You just didn't say what they wanted you to say. <laughs> and then it just upsets them. <laughs> and, you know, it's just the stubbornness in me. And the fact now, like, at this point, where I'm stuck up here in the north in the winter and it's too cold. <laughs> There's really not much to do here in the winter time, unless you're like one of those nut cases that snowmobiles or you know skis, which which you know two things I'm never going to do. I snowmobile once and I turned the stupid thing over. <laughs> um, so I never did that again. I never going skiing. What is the point of doing that? that? That that's like broken leg, like just waiting to happen. Plus, I'm freaking. <laughs> you know how fast I'd be going by the time I, I'd be like Franz freaking Kilometer. That's that's how. Yeah, that's why I can't. Two hundred ninety-seven pounds of me coming down the mountain. That's why I had to get rid of my motorcycle. I, uh, it's just no, no, no. too fast. It just I just got the need for speed, and uh, and I go. Yeah. I I would go, but it would be unwittingly. Like, you know, I I went on a couple ski trips, like, when I was a kid. And I didn't take any lessons. I just went. They said, all right, this is how you get on, you know, get on the lift. All right, I can do that. Got on the lift, went up there. And I was like, yeah, just go. And I was like, all right. And I just went. (laughs) I didn't know how to stop. Didn't know any of that. Well, thankfully, my dad, you know, my parents had no interest in skiing. And when when we were, you can ask the mayor, when we were in uh, playing high school <laughs> yeah. basketball, we, we weren't allowed to ski. Our coach told us pretty much. Do yeah, our ski. coach used to tell us that. Too, no but... skiing. Skiing leads to bad things. Yeah, you hit a tree and it's yeah, curtains. You, you, can, you can play basketball or you can ski. You can't do both. So nowadays, I'd probably get him fired. Didn't Sonny Bono die skiing? I think he did. Why do I know if, that? If Sonny Bono survived share but couldn't survive skiing, I don't want to do it, man. Plus, they have, like, bears and shit on mountains. 
Cher is literally like 90 years old and she does not look like it. Cher is not human. Right? She's like 90, right? She's got to be upper 80. I remember I was a little kid, like a real little kid, and Cher was like a big star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cher was a star before I was born. Cher gives me the creeps. You know, she did that witches movie thing. I, I think she really is a witch. I think she killed poor Sonny. That skiing thing. Hmm. Let's get swift on that. <laughs> get him off. <laughs> Let's get swifty on that one. His, his, on the his case. Latest, his latest uh, adventures. <clears throat> yeah, there was a bunch of hot takes going on Twitter all, all weekend. No, but I, I'm just stubborn enough, and I have nothing to do sometimes. I just won't give in. You got time. And it just drives me But it's the truth. I mean, listen, man. It's, it's it's the reality of the situation. I don't make the rules. I don't, like... History is history. Right. You just, you just re, you know, you just tell them like it is. This is what happened. <laughs> this is how this works. I, I didn't even, like... And, and this is one thing I used to always look forward to every year was the Hall of Fame... Uh, horses coming out and then going through and then you know trying to figure out if I thought they were Hall of Famer or not and I don't even do it anymore because it's just not worth it to me because you already know the answer by people that don't have in my eyes the proper view of the thing and it's you know a lot of cases it's not just a difference of opinion it's just just a difference of philosophy and if someone has a different philosophy than than you do well you're never going to agree and there's some people that have different philosophies that i completely respect and there's some that i don't respect at all um so it's like we're at the point now where we're gonna elect horses into the hall of fame that have four stake wins that should never be allowed Four. And stop and the only inducting them. That was a, a summer. And I know people go, well, they're all in the same damn Hall of Fame. It's in the same roof. And I kind of understand that if we use the standards of the 70s, that no horses are going to make the Hall of Fame anymore. That's okay, though. I'm okay with and, that. And I, I get it that we're going to, we should compare the horses to their eras because. <laughs> You, the record of the horse in a different era should be looked at against other horses in that era. Because if you look at a lot of horses that aren't in the Hall of Fame, uh, a horse like Gulch. Hmm. How is that horse not in the Hall of Fame? And you compare him to a lot of what is going to be uh, coming up for election. He looks like a superstar. He won the Met Mile twice. I know. <laughs> he, he won the Met Mile as a three-year-old in, in, in the middle of the Triple Crown. I mean, think about that. I mean, compare that to a modern horse. Not only <laughs> did he compete in the three Triple Crown races, he won the Met Mile in between <laughs> the legs, and the Belmont. Right, legs two and three. He was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll just yeah. stop off. and yeah. He didn't work in between the, the Preakness and the Belmont. He won the Met Mile in between the Preakness and the Belmont. Now, how do you compare a modern horse to that? You can't. And, and we're talking modern. We're talking about horses that, you know, we we were kids, but we weren't like two, right? Um, I don't think Conan Gold should make the Hall of Fame. He had one good year. 
he raced five. Just because horses have one good year out of five, he 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 won. You know, he was in the Breeders' Cup. Oh, he's in the Breeders' Cup five times. Yeah, but he won once. I mean, he really didn't have a good year as a three-year-old. He really didn't have a good year as a, as a, as a four-year-old. I think he had a good year as a five-year-old. Yeah, because there's nothing he, wrong with him. He's a good horse, player. right? He, didn't he run in the in the Breeders' Cup sprint like well, three uh, times? I saw like two weeks ago. People are are are, are saying that Ferdinand should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm thinking for what? I was around when Ferdinand was was for running. what? Ferdinand was a, a very very good horse, but he didn't win enough. Didn't, right? He didn't run. Ferdinand like, won one race as a two year old. You know what that race was? A maiden race. He was third in the Hollywood Juvenile, but he was third by 10. Uh, he won two races as a three-year-old. Two. He won the Kentucky Derby, Derby, which obviously is a big race, but it's still one race. No matter what Ed DeRosa says, it doesn't count like six <laughs> times. <laughs> and he won the Malibu, which was a great two back then. Those are the only two races he won as a three-year-old. As a four-year-old... He won uh, his first three starts as a four-year-old. He lost. As a matter of fact, I think a couple of them, he, he didn't even finish on the board. And he got good in the summertime. And he won a non-graded race at Del Mar, um, a three-horse field. And then he won the Goodwood, which I think was a grade three back then. And then he won the Classic against Ferd, uh, against. Alashiba, which was a great race, one of the greatest races I've ever seen in my life. And it's so funny how I can remember, like, who I, I bet Judge Angelucci that day. Huh. And I, I remember I, I, I bet him in triples, and I used them uh, with Ferdinand and Alashiba, and I used hit both of those two on top of Judge Angelucci in second. I used them first and second with those two horses, with like all. And of course, you know, he comes in third. But, um, and I bet him to win. He was like ten to one. I I, I can remember that those bets from what's that uh, thirty five years ago. Mm. But I have no idea what to do with my card keys. <laughs> um, but that was it. He never won another race. That was the last race he won. He competed as as a five year old the next year, but he won no races. As, as a matter of fact, his last three races. He got drowned pretty good by a horse named Cutlass Reality, who got good for a summer. Craig Lewis trained that horse, Cutlass Reality. But um, that's so not basically did the, the did the channel maker. Well, he's a little better channel maker. <laughs> channel maker had a good had a good month. Um, <laughs> it just isn't a Hall of Fame career, and and during his career, no one thought he was a Hall of Fame horse. Post. You know his retirement. No one said, oh. "Right, let's get this guy in the right, Hall of right. Fame." No, no one, nobody said that. said that. It would be like he ran like twenty nine times and he he won, you know, like five graded stakes. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just I, he won the did he win the big cap? No, he beat the big cap mm-hmm. by uh, Broadbrush. Yeah, Broadbrush beat him in, in the um, in that race, but um, you know he, he just doesn't have enough. He, he just thirty five years ago nobody thought he was a Hall of Famer. So why is he a Hall of Famer now? 
You want to compare him to to uh, Stiletto Boy? Yeah, he's gonna look real good. <laughs> but I mean, I just saved myself the aggravation because it just—it's not even worth debating. No, like to me, Safely Kept was a Hall of Famer. She was always a Hall of Famer, and people can say, "Well, she only won." She won the Breeders' Cup Sprint as a filly. That matters. She's a filly. She's not a cult. She's a filly. She's supposed to be judged as a filly. She also won like 24 other stake races. Like 9 graded stake races or 10 graded stake races. And uh, uh, quite a few of the races she won now are graded. And her winning them had something to do with the grade. Like to me, it's it's the same thing as, as, as electing punters and kickers to the Football Hall of Fame. They're players. They win and lose games. So the best of them should be in there. I'm not saying that we should have, you know, punters nominated every year, but Ray Guy, he always should have been in there. He's not? He's Guy. Reggie, well, he is, but. um, I was going to say, it it took a long time. Uh, Stenrude was the first kicker. Hall of Fame was around for 35, 40 years before they put a kicker in. How many games have kickers lost? So many. And the guy who plays for Baltimore now, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Justin. <laughs> Justin, uh, what's his name? Not Timberlake. I don't know what his name is, but the guy's great. <laughs> guy's fantastic. Yeah, he's like ninety-three percent lifetime on kicks. He kicked a sixty-six yarder. I mean, you know. Um, Justin Tucker. Tucker, right. Like, like, So, yeah, Philly Sprinters, the best Philly Sprinter should be in. If you're a top, you know, X, 1%. Is Extra Heat in? Is she getting I, th- I think she's in, yeah. I thought she got in. Yeah. She had a ton of stages. She's another one. Yeah, she had like 35 wins or some, some crazy number. It's like, it's like stupid. <clears throat> Especially nowadays. I mean, you know, again, she, she didn't run during uh, the 60s. Well, they ran every week. <laughs> now you have sprint champions, Philly sprint champions. Got two wins, two stake wins last year. Olive, whatever her name is, Good Night Olive. She won two races. And and you know what? Nobody's arguing with her as the sprint champion. I mean, no. it was kind of a disjointed year, but I mean, she won two races. So, yeah, that was. Uh... The Corey Nakatani should be in. Corey Nakatani was one of the best riders of his generation. He won 10 Breeders' Cup races. <laughs> How's he nodding? And, you know, I, I guess he wasn't a real popular guy. He, he only rode for me once. One time he rode a uh, horse at Keeneland. Finished third. I don't remember the name of the horse. I just remember one time. But he, he was always a guy that was... At the top of the standings, right off the top of the top of the standings. And he wasn't like the, it didn't seem like he was the guy that was going to ride 10 a day. Like he wasn't going to ride some of the cheaper races. And I don't really think for the Hall of Fame purposes, we should disqualify a person because they didn't win a, that extra 20 chintzy maiden tens a year. Those aren't really the races that separate the, the great riders from the very good riders. It's it's the big races. <clears throat> I want ten, ten Breeders' Cups. And, and that's before they had, a lot of those were, were won before they had uh, a million races like they do now. 
I mean, you know, how many they used to have what seven Breeders' Cup races? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he's the only one I would really stump for. So many other guys. They, I mean, maybe they should get him. Maybe should I? I don't know. But like uh, a guy like John Veach, he'd never get in nowadays. No, never. I don't think he ever had more than like 30 horses in his barn. He'd be an afterthought nowadays. I mean, yeah, he trained really, really great horses. He won a lot of big races. Hell, he would have won the Triple Crown if a firm came along. If not for affirmed. But um Proud truth. Yeah, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. I think we forgot to talk about it. But... Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention it. John, you know what? He was, when I was a kid, he was always very nice to me. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) One year, uh, it was a year I decided I was building a farm in Kentucky, and I decided I was just going to keep my horses in Kentucky for the winter, and I was racing a turfway, and I was kind of (laughs) miserable. Kind of? And um, there was a couple incidences where my horses got jostled around real good and they didn't even put an inquiry update. Like the race was 12 seconds past the wire and it was already official. So <laughs> I started claiming foul every race. And I remember after the third time I claimed foul, uh, Veach said to me, Bro, listen, Chuck Simon, if you claim foul one more time, I'm going to find you $500 for frivolous claim of foul. He goes, enough's enough. You made you, your point. What do you say? Uh, something like, like, you've made your point. <laughs> it's duly noted. Stop claiming foul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I remember. I remember. I I, I text somebody. So I'm claiming foul this race. You know, the race doesn't even run. I said, I know, but I'm claiming foul no matter what. And they're like. You're not going to do that. Yes, I am. And of Watch. Course, right, right after the race, Mike Diego said, uh, Trainer Charles Simon, trainer of the four, has lodged foul. <laughs> uh, yeah, he got mad. Veach was mad. <laughs> but he was always a fair guy, as a steward at least. And he really got that deal with, um, what was that horse? Life of Ten. Yeah. That that really like, he took all the heat for that, but there was a lot of people at fault there. There was a lot of things going on yeah, there. For, for you know, is he was the only person that had had to have any repercussions, and that was really unfair. That was really unfair. But um, you know, he he did a great job. With Proud Truth, Proud Truth ran the week before the Breeders' Cup. That's right. Back on the back, he won the classic on the seven day layoff, or might have been at Aqueduct, no less. Might have been a six day layoff (laughs) at Aqueduct, yeah. Old Aqueduct with all the birds. (laughs) That place was like seagull heaven, man. Probably still is. (laughs) They were everywhere. Your car was doomed if you ever got it washed parked there on the backside. I just always remember seeing the Breeders' Cups on the grass and all the all the birds. Like, I think it was Pebbles in that race in particular. Yeah. 
That's something that, that you tell people these days that uh, the Breeders' Cup was at Aqueduct. <laughs> like, oh, they'd be like, how? Like, what? <laughs> Yeah. And actually, that was probably better than the first one. Yeah, it was. It was good, man. It was. God, it was a lot of good horses. Those fields were just jam packed with great horses. That was the first time that the Europeans came over, like in just mass. They put... would come over for the Arlington Million and some of the fall races. You know, we get a couple of horses. You get a couple for the Rothmans or a couple for the Turf Classic or the Washington D.C. International, but. The Breeders' Cup was one like half the field was Europeans. The Arlington Million they used to get a lot of from. But I mean, think about that. The Arlington Million in the eighties oh, was a million. Ridiculous. In the eighties, when when a lot of big stakes in this country were a hundred, hundred and a quarter. I mean, it was a huge thing. It was a great. It was a great. It really kicked off, like the, the, the era of, of the big purse. You know, yeah, it was it was a great idea. It's hard to believe it's gone too. Man. Anyways, we're gonna try to make this a a relatively you know compact <laughs> show and just went past the old two hour mark. So our man, a uh, harness dude that uh, listens to us while you're running, you are very close. To being eligible for the New York Marathon, <laughs> if you ran the entire podcast, if you ran the entire podcast, you ran more than I've run total in at least the last eighteen years. So, when we get swag some point in the future, you're getting something. That's fair. Yeah. What we've got to do is actually, you know, go get around to getting something. Uh, anyways. Well, next week we have uh, the Tampa Bay Derby. You're going to be going over there this week and doing some uh, on-air stuff, right? Yes, sir. No chalk zone in effect. Chalk zone. When did they draw? Wednesday? Mm, Wednesday or Thursday? I want to say they may. Yeah, Wednesday. It'll be interesting to see. I got to admit that the new faces in the Tampa Bay Derby are probably going to be the ones I take a look at. And I don't even know who they are outside of Tappet Trice. Yeah, you can't trust Litigate. I, I don't. I do. <laughs> I was not high in that race at all. I'd be willing to X out pretty much all of them. So we'll see who's in there. Groveland, um, the guy, the the horse I actually liked originally. See, we'll I, see what happens, man. I we'll changed see. my mind somewhat on that one, but I sh- I shouldn't have because my instincts were telling me that Groveland was going to run well and can build off of that, but you know. Like, after seeing Forte on Saturday, you can't really say, like, I've seen anybody that good in this so far. No, no. He's, you know, listen, he was very good last year. Yeah, he was good he, last year. He just year. had I... that one race at Saratoga. 
uh, I think the Sanford where he just got lost. Like he broke a little sluggishly and then he just got like shuffled way back and, and, uh, and speed was pretty good at that point in the beginning of the meet. And he just kind of didn't make much of a run. He made a little bit of a run, was, but it was more of a passing tired horses run than an actual run. And other than that, the horses never really, he's run great every other, well, he's won every other race. So, <laughs> and it isn't like he, he's, um, you know, hasn't overcome adversity, too. I mean, I like him. I mean, he's a really good horse. That doesn't mean he's going to win the Derby, but he certainly is is a very solid contender in a year where we are lacking severely in solid contenders. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, just looking at the thoroughbreds, he was running two, two and a half last fall consistently. Some of the horses that have been winning preps months, months later are, are running like nines. The difference on thoroughbred between a two and a nine That's is huge. Like the difference between uh, the University of Georgia and um, you know, <laughs> North Alabama, you know, not Alabama, North Alabama. It's it's a giant gulf. <laughs> and three-year-olds get better at this time of year that's the thing I think that's where a couple of these races um, have gone to horses who are improving who weren't really fast but they kept getting better the The entire question mark that, that if you can figure it out you, you can make yourself a, a nice bit of change is where do they plateau how far a lot of horses that start off real slow and then improve. You can show a lot of improvement, but a lot of times they get to a certain point and they, they improved so much that they just don't have any more in them, you know. Um, and that that's that's going to be the key. And, and throwing those type of horses out, the ones that uh, you know maybe maybe looked better than they were because they got a great trip last time, and that's kind of thinking of the horse that won the. Uh, um, the Risen Star, Angel of Empire. He got a, just a, a dream trip in a race where most of the other horses did not get a dream trip. I mean, he was running. He, I think he ran a nine. That was Damn. the best race going into the race. Now he ran. He probably ran better than a nine in that race. But when the two-year-old champ is running twos, and he comes back and he, and he puts in a runs a race, two, probably runs a two. That that's that's a lot. I mean, he was a little bit wide in the second turn, too. He was one, two, three, four wide. So he, he's going to and, – and he was pretty well clear. I don't know that the time was super fast, but uh, – would Byer give him 100? Yes. So, I mean, that that's kind of what I talk about when I talk about in previews about horses being fast. It's, it's just fast on figures, not fast in – oh, he ran – you know, twenty two forty five, or this was around twenty four forty seven. I mean, people sometimes will say stupid things like, "Oh, well, time only means you know, oh, time only matters in jail." Well, if you bet slow horses, you're gonna lose a little way more <laughs> than you're gonna win. Uh, but, but I guess the point I was trying to, in a roundabout way, is that um, these have been super slow preps for the most part up until this weekend. Right. 
Yeah, nobody nobody stood out. It was it was apparent that you the know. horse who finished second or third, uh, the Holy Bull horse who finished not not the um, the horse who finished second in the race the other day. The horse who finished second, him in the Holy Bull, got a ten thoroughbred cheat number ten, finishing second in the Holy Bull, ten. Most years, if you run a ten in the Holy Bull. Your last, your 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 ninth, and no one's thinking of 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 the next Brit like rung on the triple crown. They're thinking of of uh, you know, can we find an allowance race? Or hey, maybe we should try him on the turf <laughs> 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 this year. Runner up, everything goes, <laughs> and there you know you're gonna have these years. Yeah, no, it happens. I mean, they can't all be winners for sure. And, and it was funny. It was last year seemed like it was a lot deeper three-year-old division. And then you look at it today, the three-year-old division from last year as four-year-olds, it, it's it's in shambles. I mean, Taiba got crushed in the Saudi Cup. Uh, Charger got beat by Dorst, who hadn't won a race in a while. Um. And it wasn't a terrible race for Charger. It just wasn't like a great race. And everyone was kind of thinking he's going to come and be a star this year. And he ran okay his his first, uh, you know, his first comeback race. And it was off a long layoff. But it wasn't spectacular. It was okay. It was workmanlike. And you said, you know, that, that's a good start. But he didn't go on. I mean, he he just got a, he just got a run the other day. And like I said, it wasn't a bad race. He didn't run terrible. He didn't run back through the field. But but you were thinking that he was going to be one of the upper echelon horses. And, uh, you know, he kind of got beat by a B-level sprinter. So, um, I mean, who else is there? Who's left? I mean, they're all gone. <laughs> they're all gone. Cyberknife, he didn't show anything really in, in the uh, – in the, the Pegasus before he no, went back. Nothing. To, um, nothing. Rich Strike is going to run a turf way now, <clears throat> which is probably the best move of any of the moves for those horses. But, I mean, who who's like left from that, that class? Uh, Epicenter obviously got hurt. So, um, I, I don't know that he was retiring. I thought he was coming back, but. I thought he was too. But... Yeah, clearly because he got hurt, uh, he's not coming back. But, uh, I mean, that class fell apart. Early voting didn't didn't make it past the Travers. <laughs> Early voting. Mo Donegal <laughs> didn't make it past the Belmont. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, White Abario went on a massive losing streak. Uh, oh, I can't believe that horse won the other day. Who was the other, who was the other Chad Brown horse that always finished second and third? So many. I think he's coming back. But he hasn't run good in a long time. Uh, he he was second or third in the uh, the Pennsylvania Derby or the Travers. He got beat in the um, the Jim Dandy. What the hell is his name? That was early voting. <laughs> no, the uh, other the other one. <laughs> the one who won the bluegrass. Who's the horse who won the bluegrass? Oh, the, I know. 
That's the problem when we tape these late at night. I, my my brain gets softer than normal. Wait, give me a second. And you, yours too. Yeah. <laughs> Mush. And I know people are listening. Are like, it's so and so, you retards. Yeah, Zandon. I think he's coming back, right? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's a stud, so. Nah, that horse just doesn't want to win. Blazing Sevens, he he was pretty awful. Garbage. I, I would have to assume that something happened to him. What? Yeah, he was he was terrible. I mean, he got beat like twenty nine lengths. Never never really got into it. I thought he was okay. You know, I I, I don't know. You know, I mean, he was another one. I, I really wish he he had. Decided to race him. I mean, it's a moot point, obviously now. But he was the horse I was thinking would benefited from three pre-derby starts. Now the derbies doesn't look good. <laughs> Probably look not going to happen. Zandon is training at pace, and he's had uh, three works, so it'll be a little bit. It'll be a little bit for him. Yeah, his last race was uh, cigar. You remember he ran in a cigar and kind of hung. Mm-hmm. But you know he hasn't bombed yet. But the early returns on the, this year's four-year-old uh, division is not good. Not good. And that, and like I said, last year at this time, it looked really, really promising. <laughs> It did. It really did. A lot did. of horses. You were saying, man, this horse might be good. Every week on the Derby Trail, it seemed like there was another real good horse. And, and this year is like the opposite. So who knows? Maybe they're all late bloomers. And by the fall, a bunch of these will be, uh, you know, progressing. Anyways, it's we've gone like super late. And uh, we didn't even invoke the Time Lord's name. Uh, you just did. The Time Lord called it, though, two weeks ago. He said, OKC will be tanking late. And guess what they're doing? Minute restrictions on their guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, Shay's leg is a little shady. Let's, you know, we're going to have to we're gonna have to manage his minutes. I like how they, they put it. Though. I know. They're like, going to gonna manage his minutes. Manage. Like, like you don't manage his minutes the rest of the year? <laughs> Otherwise known as, we're taking you out if the game's closed. <laughs> They need to do that with Zion. Zion can't get back in the game. Bubble wrap that guy. Zion is the flight line of the NBA. Yes, that's exactly what he is. When he plays, it's just a... He's nasty. It's like a circus act. He just He's, he's, he's like a shot out of a cannon. But the problem is, he does not stay sound. Well... It's been real. And, yes, uh, it has. If you made it to the two-hour and 16-minute mark, you are a trooper. You're as stubborn as me on Twitter, arguing with people over stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, as always... A pleasure, and uh, we will be back next week when we will hear all about your big day at Tampa Bay. Yes, indeed. All right. Talk to you later.